Welcome to chapel today. We are so glad that you are here. As we would say in our home church, are there any first-time visitors? Are you, is this your first time in the chapel? Okay. Oh, one person. All right. She, she raised her hand quick. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. We are so glad that you are here. We have one announcement. Uh, Vic Hardy who is the Director of Investigations for International Justice Mission, will be here in our chapel today uh, from 2 to 3. So there will be an open discussion, so you are more than welcome to come. Is it tomorrow? Is it today or tomorrow? Is it tomorrow, Terry? Tomorrow. I want you here today. So it's tomorrow from 2 to 3. All righty. And, you know, as, as we were thinking about prayer this morning, we can always pray for our campus and things that are going on. But how many know that we are in a hurting world? There are so many things going on in other countries other than the United States. We have a lot going on in our country, but there are countries that are suffering from the injustice of the world, for wars that are going on. So that's what we want to focus on this morning as we enter into prayer. So let us pray. Lord, there are so many hurting people in the world. Wars and rumors of wars. So many being affected, lives being lost, and their hearts are in anguish. We pray for those who are brokenhearted, wounded, and feel the injustice of the world. Lord, we pray that you wrap your loving arms around them and comfort them. May your peace pour over them. May your Holy Spirit anoint them. Reveal to them their worth and remind them of their purpose. We pray that your strength fuels them to endure. We thank you, Lord, for those who are reaching into the darkest places of hopelessness and giving hope by shining the light of Jesus. Mend their brokenness, that you may be glorified through their hurt and pain in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you that we take this time to pray for a hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That, that reminds us that there are things in this world, things just aren't the way they're meant to be. Can you think of something, big or small, it's just not the way it was meant to be? Some people might think this is not the way it was meant to be. I think this is actually wonderful. Business in the front, party in the back. All the benefits of long hair with only half the work. I mean, seriously. My wife, however, thinks this is not the way it was meant to be. And so this happens every once in a long while as a joke. I wish you could see better. It's a, it's a good mullet. So... <laughs> There are also some things in this world, maybe more seriously, that aren't the way they're meant to be, like Steffi was praying about and talking about. And I had experience when I was uh, on a mission trip in Mexico uh, a while ago, took, took some high school students down, and we were building, building some homes for families. And, and one of the things we got to do was go to, to an orphanage and school one afternoon and spend time with the children there. And it was really fun, a uh, great time being with them caring for these children, loving, you know, just being together. And there was one little guy, maybe three or four, 
who was off to the side, and I went to go try to talk to him, found out that he couldn't speak yet. I hadn't, that, that wasn't, he wasn't able to. And maybe she was actually even a little older, but looked a little smaller, still wearing diapers. And so over this, this afternoon, we, this day, we had time playing together. We played, and, and slowly he warmed up, and we had a, had a good day together. And I was so grateful. And at the end of the day, he was going home, and so I walked out with him. And, and at age three, he was walking home by himself through these little brick and metal kind of pieced together little uh, homes. And, and he's walking, in and it became clear that he had a dirty diaper. And I had no idea what to do. His 20s, early 20s, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to help you right now. And, and he, he kind of indicated to me without words that I got to figure it out. So he goes to this little outdoor outhouse deal and goes in, closes the door, comes back out. The diaper's gone. He's kind of taking care of it. I give, him a, I give him a hug and, and send him away. And I remember seeing that moment like, man, there's, this is not the way it was meant to be. This just isn't right. On so many levels, this little boy who's not, he's not able to speak. He should be able to. His, his body's not growing the way it should be. He has to, he's walking home by himself at three years old. He has to take care of his own diapers. Here I am. I should know what to do, but I don't know what to do. I can't really help him. Is my even being here a help to him at all? All these questions and just knowing this is not the way it was meant to be. Remember that, that thought. I want to take a step back and re- review from last week. Last week, remember, we started this journey, this journey with Peter, the journey of tasting the goodness of the Lord that we're on together. And I'm so excited that I get to be part of this worshiping community with you Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'm excited that we get to journey with Peter together through as we taste and see the goodness of the Lord with him. And last week we saw Jesus come to Peter and he saw him, noticed him for who he was and invited him to come follow me, come follow him and promised him a purpose in this world. And then in the book of Mark, the action begins. Church tradition holds that Mark was a disciple of Peter and Mark, the way Mark writes his gospel, it's like an action movie. It's like one thing after another, after another, after another. And so right after this calling of Peter, the action picks up, and Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and this man with an unclean spirit comes up, and Jesus looks at him and casts out this, this demon, and this man has a convulsion, and he's whole. Jesus delivers him. And then Peter's, Jesus goes to Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever, and Jesus reaches out and touches her, and the fever is gone. Jesus heals her. And then words start getting out, getting out. And so many sick and demon-possessed people start coming to the door. And late into the night, Jesus is healing them and delivering them from the evil. Then we, we hear the, the, the story of a leper. And we know lepers, as, we, as you know, they, they would be ostracized. They were outsiders, those who had to stay outside the camp. Ostracized physically and spiritually. They were unclean. They couldn't go be with God. So this leper comes to Jesus and has the audacity to ask him to, to heal him. And Jesus looks at him and says, yes, I'll heal you. He reaches out and touches him. Maybe the first touch that person would have had in a long time. Touches him and says, yes, I'll heal you. He heals him physically, but also heals him socially, bringing him back into this community from which he had been ostracized and sent away. Then we remember the story of Jesus when he's teaching and, and someone digs a hole in the roof, right? And a crazy story of the great friends who bring their, their friend to Jesus. And this, this paralyzed man comes down and Jesus looks at him. And remember what he says? Your sins are forgiven, right? 
And then, yeah, stand up and pick up your mat and walk. And Jesus heals him on the inside, delivers him from the evil that had, had tormented him on the inside, and heals him physically, makes him whole. Then Jesus is going and finds Levi, a tax collector. We know him as Matthew, right? And, and a tax collector who had been also ostracized, one who had been a traitor, said, I'm going to side with the Romans, and I'll take my skim off the top, get my little extra money for me. I'm going to leave my people behind. And so this man, Jesus looks at him and says, I want you to be one of my followers. And he restores him back to community and restores him whatever evil he had been choosing, restores him, frees him from that as well. Jesus sees a man with a withered hand in the synagogue, and Jesus tells him, reach out your hand, and it becomes whole. And Jesus shows the teachers of the law what it means that God is a God who heals and forgives every day of the week, not just the days we want him to. And then more people who are sick and demon-possessed come to Jesus, and Jesus heals them and delivers them. That's all in about one and a half chapters of Mark. Boom, 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 boom. The subtle message that Jesus is sending is this. This world is not the way it was meant to be. Jesus is healing and delivering, and in his healing deliverance, he's showing forth this is not the way it was meant to be. Jesus comes and delivers these people from evil that had tormented them for who knows how long. He delivers people, gives, gives them physical healing and wholeness where they've been brokenness. And he restores socially, restores people back to community who have been ostracized, who had been alone, who had been degraded and marginalized. Say, no, you have value. No, you matter. No, come be a part of this. Jesus is showing us that the world isn't right. And he's come to heal and deliver. He's showing us what it looks like when God reigns. Remember Mark at the beginning? He said, he said Jesus' mission statement, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. This is what it looks like when the king reigns. When God reigns in right, in right order, there's healing and deliverance. It's kind of like that Band-Aid. You guys all have a Band-Aid? I have one. We, we know what a Band-Aid is for, right? We know we're, we're sophisticated, you know. We know Band-Aids are for preventing infection and you know, that's about it. Helps things heal a little bit by preventing infection, not getting dirt in a wound, right? But if you've been around children much, you know that Band-Aids are much more than that, right? A Band-Aid is like the ultimate promise of deliverance and healing. <laughs> so in my family, in my family, no matter what happens, no matter what injury it is, so you get a scratch, you get pinched, you get, a bonk, you get bonked in the head, you know, oh, Dad, I need a Band-Aid. <laughs> and you put a Band-Aid on a bruise, and man, oh, it feels so much better. <laughs> That's amazing. The Band-Aid is this amazing, like, deliverance. has power for healing and deliverance. And, and, of course, we can laugh because we know what it really is. But this is what Jesus is doing. Bringing healing and deliverance to a world that's broken and not right. But it doesn't stop there. In, in chapter 3, uh, in verse 13 and 14, Jesus says this. He calls up to the mountain these 12, and he appoints them, whom he names apostles, to be with them and to be sent out to proclaim the message and to have authority to cast out demons. See, Jesus is not just doing it himself, although he is. He heals and delivers, but he also sends out these disciples, these sent ones, 
to proclaim the message of God's healing and deliverance, to actually heal and deliver themselves, to participate in God's healing and deliverance, his work in this world, he sends them out as well. So Jesus is healing and delivering. Then he sends out the 12 to heal and deliver as well. And now we see this all come together in the story in Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at this one a little more closely. Jesus crosses over the lake, like he does often, in, in, especially in the book of Mark. And he comes to the other side, and we'll pick it up in verse 2, chapter 5. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs came out of the tombs with unclean spirit and met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with, shack- with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. So here's this man who meets Jesus. This man who lives among the tombs. What are tombs for? Dead people, right? Why is he living among tombs? He's, he's not really alive. He's half dead. And he lives there alone. No one else goes to the tombs. That's not a place to go, to be. So he's ostracized. He's isolated. He's alone. He's out of community. Judged. And not only is that, but he's hurting. And he hurts so much, he decides to hurt himself to feel that hurt. And he hurts himself and bruises himself and cuts himself. And you can imagine the way he hurts others as he rips those chains when they try to chain him. This man is conquered by evil. At so many levels, evil has the upper hand in his life. And he falls in front of Jesus, and Jesus loves this man. And Jesus looks at him and sees him, just like he saw Peter. And Jesus says, delivers him. He frees him from these evil spirits who have, been, who have conquered him. And, and we don't have time to, to get, go into the story of how it works out, but sends him these pigs. It's crazy. Jesus has somehow mercy on the, and listens to these demons, but does it, and, but delivers this man. And he's free in his right mind and clothed again. Maybe some of you have seen the, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Remember the scene when, the, when, Prince, when King Caspian is going to look for these lords and, he, and they go to this dark island where there's, it's like the, it's this horrible, evil place where your nightmares become real. And let's see what happens. Recording was stopped at this point while a multimedia presentation was delivered. We will now rejoin the event in progress. So, we got it. Thanks, Tyler. This is what Jesus does. Jesus comes to heal and deliver. He heals and delivers. And we know we saw it in his earthly life, Jesus healing and delivering. And, and then we know that Jesus hung on a cross and was laid in the tombs himself. But death couldn't hold the author of life. And he burst forth that resurrection Sunday, that Easter Sunday we look forward to already. And he provided the, the ultimate healing and deliverance for a world in deep need. And a healing and deliverance that, that he was the first fruits 
of a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth, will be no more of this the way it wasn't meant to be. And everything will be right from top to bottom, the whole new creation, inside and out, the way it was right and should be. Because Jesus, the healer and deliverer, is coming. Ben, why don't you come on up? Well, this story doesn't end with that man there. Jesus heals and delivers him. And then the end of the story, Jesus tells him, go home and tell your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis and all over what he had done. And everyone was amazed. See, Jesus heals him and delivers him and then sends him out to be a part of his healing and deliverance in this world. And so today you take this band-aid and Jesus comes to you and says, I come, I've come to heal and deliver you. And he has, and he will, and he does heal and deliver you now and promises one day fully. But also he asks, says, hey, be a part of my healing and deliverance in this world. Go share this band-aid with someone else. Go share this with a world deeply in need of healing and deliverance, deeply in need of what it means that God will reign and God reigns. Show them, teach them, live it. Be a part of my healing and deliverance work in this world. Let's stand and sing to that God.